Hello, everybody, and welcome to the third episode of The Isaiah Show. Three already. Look at that. I haven't given up yet. Today, I'm going to be talking about some different things, some more relaxed things, some relatable things. I'm going to be talking about organization tips and minimizing your clutter. Just some tips that I have for some people, because there's a lot of messy folks out there. I think we can all be real with ourselves. I'm going to talk about digital privacy and its complexities. And some of our people in power who don't seem to understand that your privacy is your right. And that's that. I'm going to be talking about different music streaming services and the benefits of the different ones and the benefits of and downfalls of even using a, a music streaming service on the side of both listeners and artists. And I'm going to be talking about the importance of putting forth your all in collaboration because I think we've all been in a situation where we feel like we're being forced to collaborate, but we're being forced to collaborate with people we don't like. And that's something that can be challenging to overcome. So these are all the things we're going to talk about. I'm not going to waste any time anymore. We're going to get straight into the first one, which is organization tips and minimizing clutter. Wow. It's kind of a mouthful and kind of a really broad thing when you think about it, but it's important uh, because I did not used to be an organized person really at all. And I found myself constantly like missing things and constantly late for things and forgetting about things. And I know other people who just are not organized at all and it like you can just watch someone suffer like we all know somebody who's really just a, an extremely scattered person and usually it, it's rooted in the fact that they're just not organized in different aspects of your life so i think it's but it's it's difficult to look at somebody and be like well you're just disorganized period because just because they're not organized with one thing doesn't mean that they're not organized with everything. They might be organized in other areas. But I guess the tips that I have are to sort of unify all areas. Like I'm not really going to try to target, oh, organize like your corporate work life because I don't have a corporate work life. I don't have, you know, maybe tens or hundreds or even thousands of employees uh, to look after or, or, or an entire sector or, or section of a business to look after. I don't have that. So I'm not going to like, look at, look at that and be like, Oh, this is how you're going to be more organized than that. Cause I just straight up don't know. I don't have experience with that. Uh, I'm just a college student myself. So the organization tips that I have are for pretty much just keeping your stuff together, not missing important things. So the first tip that I have is, and that I did not understand the power of until I started to do it was keeping a calendar. Um, I used to not keep a calendar. You know, you I would get, I remember there was like a couple of Christmases or a couple of birthdays because my birthday is right around the beginning of the year that I would get a calendar. And my mom, I remember my mom is the one who would get me the calendar for my birthday and then it would just sit there and maybe I'd like fill out a couple of things in it when I first got it because I was like yeah let me like flip through the pages because she would get me calendars based off of things that I was interested in 
and I would like flip through it just to look at the pictures, fill in a couple of things, fill in like people's birthdays who were already in my head. And that was it. It just got tossed to the side and I didn't really think about it. And I I didn't really think about calendars again until probably halfway through my college journey. And now I rely heavily on a calendar. I, I, I put everything in there. So it's kind of that difference. Um, but yeah, that's, I guess my number one and biggest tip is keeping a calendar. It's, it's a powerful thing right there. Um, there's two different kinds of calendars that you can keep. Uh, and those would be a physical and a digital calendar. Like, so you can keep like a planner, something that you have that you pull out and you pull out pen and you're writing on that and you're writing that in and you're checking that. And that's, that's a great alternative if you're a person who can rely on the fact that my calendar is something I need to keep on me. Maybe you don't have electronics with you everywhere, but you do bring something to write with everywhere. Why not make it a planner that you can also take notes in? I know I don't know that many people actually who carry around physical notebooks, but I know that there are people like who carry around physical notebooks with the uh, with the intent of something's going to happen throughout my day and instead of pulling out my phone I'm going to pull out this notebook to write it down. I don't know many people who do that. But there are people who do that and that can be something that's extremely helpful for them. So you have your physical calendar and then you have your digital calendar. If you're more of a technology beast person like I am, you're always going to have an electronic around you. Uh, for the most part, you know, unless I'm going somewhere where it's, you know, it's inappropriate or it's restricted uh, in terms of having my phone with me, I have it on me at all times. So why not make that my calendar? Why not have that be something where I'm constantly keeping tracks of my track of my events? That's something I'm checking every day. That's something I'm checking every morning uh, within 30 minutes of when I wake up. So those are two kind of areas where you can have a calendar and I just recommend using it. And it's so easy. There's so many different apps. Uh, the two I recommend, if you're a huge Google user, or if you use Android, use Google calendar. It's great. Or maybe you're like, no, I'm only Apple. I only like to use Apple stuff. Use Apple's calendar app. Honestly, they do the same thing. They do the same thing. They're going to let you keep track of your events. They're going to let you mark down your events and and if you set it right, they're going to remind you of events that are coming up. So those are two different types of calendars that you can have. But here's why I'm recommending a calendar is because there are so many things that you don't have or you don't realize that you have the potential to forget about until you write them down or until you put them in a calendar. Right. And I guess something simple that I could go off of is like a birthday. So I know Facebook specifically has allowed this to be like a su like a super big thing that people cheat on with birthdays because you know it it it's someone's birthday and on their Facebook it's going to show on their profile and it shows when you see the people posting on their wall and I I don't get notifications for it but I think that you can set it so you get notifications for when it's people who are um on your friends list when it's their birthday. And but if you're not friends with someone on Facebook or maybe you don't use Facebook like that, but say that's somebody who you want to, you know, you want to love on them on their birthday or you want to acknowledge them on their birthday. That's something that's super easy to forget. Like, I think we've 
almost everyone has forgotten someone's birthday like it's just the day has come and gone and then it's not until like the next day or when somebody else mentions it to you that you're like oh crap that was that person's birthday um and i know that that's sort of a weak example because birthdays aren't the biggest deal in the world but it's important it's important for people uh, for some people, not for everyone, but it's important for some people to be acknowledging birthdays. But that's one of the things that it's so easy to forget. You have this thing that's once a year. So that means that for 364 other days, you are not thinking about this thing. That means that it's you have the potential to forget it. And there's other stuff that you you just have the potential to forget that you can save yourself time and effort for for putting it in your calendar. Um, and I just think that that has been a huge help for me personally, and I would recommend that other people are doing it. So I went from like, you know, I would track like maybe my assignment schedule. It would come and like the beginning of the week would come or a, a due date in my head that I could remember vaguely the professor mentioning in class was going to be coming up. So I would just look on the syllabus and for work, I would just look at the picture of the, you know, got to scroll through the other pictures that I had taken, look at the picture for the schedule for that week. And, you know, these are things, those are probably the two main things that I were, I was jumping back and like scrambling to find answers for. But then I realized wait, I could just keep both of these things in a central location where I'm marking down my my work schedule. When I get it, I just put it in the calendar. And when I, you know, when I hear these assignments coming up and assignments that I know aren't going to be, you know, they're not front burner assignments. They're not things that are pressing. These are things that I could forget about. These are things that I can just put into my calendar. And then boom, I can set it up so my phone's reminding me a week or two days or whatever amount of time I want it to before they're due. And that has helped me exponentially. I I don't know if other people can relate to this, but there's this feeling of dread that can only come when you are currently missing a shift at work and you don't know about it until someone calls you. And like, I have not been able, that's happened to me, I think, twice in my life. And both of it, both times are attributed to the fact that I just did not, I thought I memorized my schedule, but it had completely slipped my mind. I didn't have it put down anywhere. It was just in my brain and I was thinking about other things and I forgot. And then all of a sudden, it's 5.30, shift starts at 5, I'm getting a call like, hey, you were supposed to be here 30 minutes ago, what's up? And then it's just that, oh crap moment. You just have to sit there. And human nature, of course, is to make up some excuse so that you're not admitting your fault. But at the end of the day, you're kind of just sitting there like, crap, I have no excuse. The only excuse, the only true thing that happened is I forgot. But you can't forget what you're being constantly or what you're being reminded about and so that's why uh uh, one big thing i recommend to people now is use a calendar write it down somebody tells you something somebody tells you hey this needs to be done by this date bust out your phone put it in your calendar and 
I think that so when I first started to use a calendar, there would be people who would like tell me things and then immediately like I'd want to reach for my phone and pull it out and put it down in the calendar. But then I'd be like, no, now I feel rude to do it. And then I wouldn't do it and I would forget. And then I'd be in the same cycle of, oh, snap, here I am scrambling to find out what this thing is and when it's due or whatever that is. And I, you know be bold about it let them know just pull whip that phone out and let them know hey i'm not texting right now hey i'm not just pulling out my phone because i want an easy out for this conversation i'm pulling out my phone because this is my calendar and i got to put this event in and people are going to be understanding they're going to be like wow this person's responsible and that's what's going to happen you're just going to become when you're not forgetting things when you're on time for things and when you're you're turning in assignments on time and when you're arriving to work on time and when you're arriving to that appointment on time you look more professional you look more responsible and honestly you just put yourself in a position where people are able to trust you with more right because if you miss things eight times out of ten and then you come to me asking for more responsibility the only thing i can say is well no the only thing i've seen you do is forget and and drop the ball and it is human nature to forget we all forget things we all drop the ball at times we all mess up but there's a when it starts to become extremely repeated behavior you can no longer start to blame people when they're when they're frustrated with you right and i think we also all know someone who's like that who something goes wrong and it's never this is my fault and this is something i need to start working on can, can maybe can you help me work on this it's never that with some of these people it's always okay well this bad thing just happened and here's this excuse because last month this happened and when i was a kid this thing happened and in my last relationship this thing happened and and, and last tuesday morning i stubbed my toe and here i am that's why i'm late for the 14th time to my shift at work and it's kind of like what you just where did you come up with this stuff see you got some people who are out here putting more effort into the excuses than they are into the act of being organized and being together and that is where their fault is and that's a very common fault these days i think i think that as kids in school we're not really brought up in a way that we're focusing on how can we organize for our lives it's how can we organize for what's going on in school right now right because i remember in high school teachers telling me oh well in college they're not gonna like if this is late oh blah 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 well it's not my responsibility to babysit you guys and remind you of this that and the third and they're all on it about what they're all on organization and staying on top of things when it comes to their assignments and when it comes to the things they want right but when it comes to your daily life and and, and putting that into practice in daily life they could really care less they could really care less right because the same teachers who are telling you well you need to be on time with your assignments you need to be organized with your assignments da 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 da, da on time punctual da, da da are the same ones who are going to go over their class period teaching they're the same ones who are going to make you late to your next obligation because they wanted to keep chatting a little bit more. Come on. It's just, it's, it ends up being ridiculous. But the biggest thing is, is 
one it comes back to that excuses thing especially in the age of technology there's really no more excuses if this is something you struggle with there are lots of tools you can utilize that can help you out with that and i understand that there are people out there who just being organized and on top of things just isn't their thing they are naturally flustered and they just constantly have a lot going through their mind and maybe other things like trauma or stress or you know maybe they're dealing with like anxiety or depression and these things are hindering them at a certain point you do run out of excuses i understand that there are things that can prevent you from doing things to the best of the ability that they can be done but there's nothing that can truly stop you from doing the doing things to the best of your own personal ability right because there's a difference between you doing your own best and you doing the best and when it comes to organization and stuff not many people can do it the best way but the, everyone is capable of doing it to the best of their own ability and i promise you if you are putting forth 100% effort you will find yourself on top of it you will find yourself organized you will find yourself not missing things anymore but it's one of those things again i talked about this in the last episode where this is one of those things where it's just so hard to get started because we're busy as people we're just busy there's work there's school for some people there's kids there's family and it's just it all adds up and we run out of time there's not enough hours in the day but hey if you get yourself a calendar you can account for all of the hours in the day so i guess that's my main tip for staying organized is to get a calendar uh there's other things i do to stay organized uh personally i digitize digitize i don't think that's the word digitalize is what i'm going for i make electronic everything that i can right so for college this has been especially something that balances between being organized and reducing clutter is in college every college student knows you can go through two weeks of college with one folder and by the end of that two weeks it will be full of handouts of just or maybe of your notes too maybe you're one of the people who takes physical notes and you just have like a notebook full and then this folder is full and here's all of these things and especially this semester one thing that i've tried to be on top of is immediately when i get something scanning that thing with my phone and getting it into the files app and deleting or and throwing i said deleting it pc i'm already in a digital mindset not deleting it physically deleting it throwing it away because there's just so many pieces of paper i can have and then eventually they start to pile up and then i lose them and it it's no use to me when i have a stack of 50 different papers by the end of a couple weeks and i can't even find what i'm looking for because you know it's so messy but if i make it digital i can put it on the computer and name it something and then guess what i have to do later search a few letters and it pops up and there's the paper i i could have spent five minutes like tearing through my backpack for but now it's boom right here quickly took 10 seconds and i understand that not everyone has access to great technology but there's I mean, sometimes you got to just split it up. Sometimes the idea behind 
having multiple different like different forms of organizations so instead of having one folder having specific folders for very specific things will help you reduce your clutter right because also if you're going through things like that you know what you do and don't need and how many times do we end up with something that isn't thrown away because we're not sure if we're going to need it again I mean, sometimes you can be sure you don't need it again by just looking at it once again instead of waiting. Instead of just waiting until you're not doing that thing anymore. And then you're like, oh, now I can throw it away. There's some things that you have to keep and that you're going to need to make room for. But you don't need to keep everything that's given to you. I think that's another, I think that's a tip for reducing clutter right there. You don't need to keep everything that's given to you. You don't need to keep everything that that has ever even held like a little bit of value to you yeah there are things that you look at and you're kind of like oh that's like a cool thing that i that i maybe used to use for this xyz throw it away throw it away if it's if you're not still using it throw it away you got the memory that's the thing people and maybe i'm just different in this way but that's the thing is this people will be like no i'm holding on to this one thing because it makes me think of this time did your brain stop working as soon as that event ended? Like, can you look at only this object and then in that time that you're looking at the object only be reminded of this time that you were experiencing? No, throw it away. I, uh, I was bad with this a little bit. And there was a time, at, like, a couple of years ago where I was going through this huge, like, let me like declutter and like throw all this stuff away. And I opened, like I had this box and it was just this box of like keepsakes. It was like letters from exes. I remember. And then it was a couple others. I can't, it was like, I think it was like a couple of like older pictures or something like that. But I mainly remember like the letters from exes and I'm like, there I was like tearing them up and throwing them in the garbage. Like, why do I still have these? I remember this. I didn't need this letter to remember this. I'm not saying to go and take all of your family heirlooms and family photo albums and important things that you received from your grandfather before he passed away and just throw them away. I'm not saying that I'm that at all. I'm saying look at something and truly assess if you need it. And that takes five seconds. That That's not some time-consuming process. You don't have to sit there for three hours and stare at it. You can tell in five seconds whether or not you really need that thing anymore. And push yourself a little bit. Push yourself, right? Because sometimes you're going to need that little push of, yeah, I really don't need this. Be real with yourself. There's so many times, you know, I have to be real with myself, um, especially with, like, get just buying food eating out it'll be like i'll be passing something like mm, that looks mm, that that wendy's looks good i want to pull in there for some food i gotta keep it real with myself i don't need it i don't need it i got food in the fridge at home i don't need it and you just gotta keep going sometimes you just gotta push yourself a little bit and i guess it's kind of what kind of expectations of uh, of organization and declutteredness and just overall you know there's that word again organization what kind of standards do you have for that
and when you set those standards right because some of us don't have the the best standards for that when you set those standards that's gonna enable you to look at something and push yourself and be like oh you know what it's time to let go of this and throw it away it's time to disconnect with this right here and that's that's really all it takes so i guess those are my tips for staying organized get a calendar digitalize the things that you can because it's just gonna like we all have these essentially these supercomputers you know small shrunken down to fit in our pockets use that to your advantage digitalize the things that you can and learn to set a standard of organization that allows you to push yourself to be continuously getting rid of the things that you truly don't need but also take the time to analyze that don't get in this habit of being like oh I just want it to look clean, so I'm going to start throwing everything away. Da, 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 da. Don't get into that habit. No, analyze. Think about it. Think. That is, those are my tips on organization. I don't want to give, like, there's other, like, specific pieces of advice and technology and apps and whatnot that I use to stay organized, but it's more of, like, a those become more of a personal preference thing, and I don't want to be like, hey, everyone do this and just have it be some absolutely absurd idea that's not practical to the most of the people who are going to be listening to this i'm not going to do that moving on to our next topic here digital privacy digital privacy does it exist i guess i guess i can start with that question right there when in terms of digital privacy does it exist well when you look at something like you look at kind of the surveillance quote-unquote state that we live in when it comes to the fact that yes you are being monitored with what you do right uh take a service like facebook for instance they're monitoring i mean i guess the whole idea of that service is based on you sharing things about yourself and sharing what's on your mind right so is digital privacy even real i guess that answer is complicated it's sort of real right you can go into incognito mode on your phone and do a search and it will no longer show up in your search history and that right there you can look at that and be like yeah digital privacy is real that's something you're doing on on something that's digital and that's something that's electronic and because of that it's 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 real right no because you can go ahead and do a uh incognito search on your phone but just because your parents can't see the fact that you were looking up something inappropriate guess what your isp can your internet service provider they can pull all those logs and be like huh that's funny because on this date you were looking up this right here so i guess when you think about is is this idea of our online privacy and our technological privacy is it real you have to look at it from two ways or yeah so is this privacy real is this privacy real as in there are anonymous people who could under the right circumstances look through your activities but they only have 
bad intentions, right? Somebody who wants to maybe get a get a keylogger going on you so that they can tell what you've been typing, right? And but they want to do it because they want to get they want to watch for when you're going to type in your credit card number and order something because they want to steal your credit card info. Yeah, privacy from people like that, privacy from bad people is real. Those there are ways that you can get around that. Uh you can use things like VPNs, you can just secure yourself, you know. There's just ways to secure yourself and get that privacy, right? But what if it comes for people who are looking through your stuff for quote unquote the greater good? Right? Then it becomes this different question because, yeah, no, somebody's like monitoring your keys or what you're typing because they want to steal your credit card information versus somebody's monitoring what you're typing because they don't want to make or because they want to make sure you're not going to go and kill a whole bunch of people later on. In that respect, I, you could really sit here and argue that digital online technological privacy is not real at all we don't have it and i think that for the question if somebody were to walk up to me and propose the question is is your privacy on the internet and is your privacy technologically is that real i would have to say no i would have to say based off of the services we have we as a society have chosen to make popular it's not real and it's kind of a shame, but at the same time, if everyone were to, you know, be like, oh, we're going to encrypt all of the stuff you're doing and we're going to keep it private on our end, you'd be paying a lot of money for the stuff that you're using, right? Look at something. So here's one thing that I'll look at is something like Facebook. And they had that huge thing where people, it just seemed like pretty much people didn't know that their information was being sold to advertisers and that advertisers were like following them around the internet and our ads were being extremely targeted to them and it just so it seems like a lot of people didn't know that but it's kind of a given when you think about the service that's provided to you, especially when it, like with Facebook, right? Because you have this thing where you're allowed in a way, unlimited storage, right? Because you can post all the pictures and, and, and videos and content on there that you want to, really. And, and you can do all this thing, but that's all free to you. But that kind of stuff costs money. I mean, there's things where they need to physically be paying somebody to upkeep all that storage for all of that data and whatnot. And you I mean, these services are free to use. So as soon as you use services that are that sound like that, right, you should know that you're getting yourself into something, right? And the thing, the way that I compare it is you can go and get like maybe like a picture backing up service or like I think anyone with an iPhone can relate to this one. Like you get the five gigabytes of free iCloud storage and when it fills up, that's it. Da 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 da. You have to pay for more. And there's a reason. It's because they're like keeping these things encrypted and secure for you when it comes to like Apple. So they're only giving you a certain amount of space to do that. 
Facebook isn't telling you that you have any limits. They're letting you upload and do whatever you want to, essentially almost in a way having a specific type of backup service, right? Because in theory, I could go on my camera roll right now, make a point to upload every single image to Facebook, wipe my phone, and then re-download everything from that from my Facebook account. And that would just be that. No thought of it. And I could not, me personally, I could not do the same thing on like my iCloud. I couldn't upload with a, well, I could do it because I pay for extra storage, but on like a free plan that just comes with it, that's just free. I could not upload every single one of my pictures, wipe my phone and then download it. I wouldn't have enough space. So you can kind of see where the mystery pops up between the two of, huh, Facebook, you have almost like this unlimited free reign to do whatever you want, but that's not available on other services. And you're not like you're paying for that on other services. You're not paying for that on Facebook. Doesn't that let people know that they're, they obviously have to be paying with something? There's no such thing as free lunch. You're not just getting something for free. Everything's going to cost something. No, a lot of these companies, Facebook, make their money through advertisements. And they provide, honestly, I'm so sorry to say this, but a service that people pretend to not like but really love to use. And I think that I can really make that generalization and I'm spot on because a lot of people make fun of it or be complain about it but still go on, still has a, still have a Facebook there's a lot of people I, I know a lot of people who are like, oh, I don't use my Facebook, but they still have one. You know, this is something, this is a business. They need to be making, they need to be making money. That's it. They can't just go in there and be like, we're not going to make anything. So yeah, no, digital privacy is not real. Yes, they're all tracking your information, but other than selling you this service for probably an absurdly high amount of money each month how are they going to even provide this service to you it's just kind of like common sense when you think about it like if i'm not paying in money i'm paying in something else period that's it and i i think that's like a big thing uh and then there's a whole other little section of this which is governmental privacy when it comes to united states citizens and their operations on the web are you safe from the government well it depends on what you're doing right because there's there's specific companies who will bend over and be like oh no this thing happened let's get you this let's get you that piece of information and that, I guess, is it's hard to say that that's either completely right or completely wrong, right? Because there are things that without the, co the, the cooperation of these technology companies, without them providing the assistance that they do, that people would be, there's atrocities that people would be able to get away with. And that simply, that's just messed up, right? And so it's hard for people to draw a, a, a a hard line and be like oh this we cannot share anything that people are doing on their phones or we can't share that any anything that people are doing on their internet devices because what if you do that and all of a sudden all this bad stuff starts to happen because nobody's really watching anymore and then everyone realizes that oh i can go and talk about going and 
and killing and go and plan killing a whole bunch of people and then I can execute it. No, that's messed up. You know, they're, they're, it's kind of comforting to know that you can go out somewhere in a public space because there's somebody who maybe had foiled a plan earlier on. And I don't know how often that happens. I have no idea how often that happens. I'm not even going to pretend to know how often that happens. But it does. We know it does because we hear about it. We hear about, oh, this thing was foiled because they found something that somebody had sent to somebody else. Right? But at that same token, is government the final authority? Does What gives government the right to look at you and what you're doing and say, oh, well, it's my job to protect you. What what gives them the right? Like, that's a legitimate thing. Like, yeah, you can look at it in the sense of, well, these are the people we have chosen to be in power. No. No, that's funny because most of us don't even know who the people who are in power, quote unquote, in power over us. We don't even know who they are until it's their time to shine or until it's their time to like run for a race or something like that and then all of a sudden we hear all these things about them but these are the people we're entrusting really to in a sense just spy on us and watch what we're doing and police us and that's just a dangerous thing because at the end of the day really what gives them the right and i think that one thing that's a really good example of this lately is the situation i don't fully know this situation but i i've heard a little bit of it uh is another situation where apple finds themselves being pressured to create backdoors into iphones by the government because something bad had happened and that one's a sticky situation. That one's a sticky situation. And honestly, I'm siding with Apple uh, with this one. Um, because this had happened again. I don't. It happened again a couple years back where it came to the point some tragedy had happened and the government was like, hey, Apple, we need you to create a backdoor into these iPhones or into iPhone in general, because we want to be able to look at what these people were doing. We need to know more information about this, da-da-da-da-da, which is a kind of respectable thing. Hey, we want to look and know what's going on. We want to know what happened. You know, that's kind of, a, that's, that's understandable. But at the same time, on the other token, Apple's like, nah, we're not going to do that, because if we create a backdoor for you, we create a backdoor for everyone, period. And I like that approach. Um, I think that's respectable as a company of we understand that tragedies happen, but that's but we cannot allow the tragedy of risking every one of our users privacy, especially for a company that relies so heavily on their focused on privacy. We don't want to allow put all of our users in danger by creating purposely creating a backdoor through all of our restrictions for you. And I don't know, the government is just, I, it's just, it's just stupid, first of all, because I feel like the people in the government don't understand, mostly because all of them are really old, and so, like, this is all stuff that's super new to them, and 
their age sort of shows when they start to talk about technology. Like, I just remember when Facebook was brought before Congress about that thing, the questions that they were asking were like, like, okay, like, okay, you guys are asking things that are kind of obvious, but it's like, oh, how can my, t- like, I just remember there's a video of one guy being like, oh, how can, how does, how is it that y'all know that my phone moved from over here to over there? Like, what kind of question is that? Like, what, the fact that you don't know anything about how a phone could know that probably means that you don't know how you allowed it to know that. And just, it's just stupid. But one politician who really made me annoyed with their comments on this was Donald Trump himself, you know, had a tweet about it. And Donald Trump says in his tweet, he tweeted this on January 14th. He said, we are helping Apple all of the time on trade and so many other issues. And yet they refuse to unlock iPhone or unlock phones used by killers, drug dealers and other violent criminal elements. They will have to step up the plate, step up to the plate and help our country now make America great again. What? First of all, uh, when it came to Donald Trump and his impeachment, right, a lot of this was based off of the fact that he was doing something in the mindset of things being quid pro quo, right? And then he tweets this right here, right? Be- Donald Trump's standing there like, I don't do things quid pro quo. No, I'm just doing it because it's what needs to be done. Da, 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 da. Then he's going to sit here and pretty much be like, well, 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 Apple, why aren't you being, qu- why aren't you doing something quid pro quo for us? I did this for you. I scratched your back. Why aren't you scratching mine? There's that mindset, and it's no wonder that people doubt you on what you're saying, right? Because you're going to turn around and be like, hey, hey, Apple, hey, Tim Apple, as he called him, hey, Tim Apple, why are you not willing to scratch my back right now? I scratched yours. We helped Apple on trade. They now need to violate all of their users' privacy. Huh? Where does that make sense? That is so stupid. And then he goes on. They need to help. They need to step up to the plate and help our great country now. So you're saying that the safety of people and and all these people are doing all these bad things. And the only way that they can that the government, the mighty government who needs to save everyone from everything can stop this is if Apple this company violates their users' privacy. That doesn't make much sense, right? And after after the case that had happened a couple years ago with Apple and them not unlocking the iPhones, um, the government went another route anyway. They found a company who could unlock these phones. So obviously it's doable. Obviously somebody else is finding out their way to you know pour bill pour whatever amount of money they are into technologies and then breaking into these phones obviously it's doable so why is trump going to come on twitter and complain about how apple's not helping them out why would you not just go to the other they obviously took their stand already why not just cut out the middleman and just go to who helped you out before right and there's so many other ways in which the FBI 
the specifically the FBI has dropped the ball in their own investigations and in their own neglect. Is it not their problem at the end of the day? Maybe we should focus on the people who are actually supposed to be, well, quote unquote, supposed to be keeping us safe rather than waiting for something to happen and then blaming people who make a product. Right? That's so stupid. That's another thing that's stupid, right? Because Trump pushes a conservative and a Republican rhetoric for the most part, right? And one of the things that you buy into when you buy into any sort of conservative movement is like, the love of the second second amendment the love of guns it's just something that kind of comes along with their territory which is understandable right and he's in their territory and i guess one of the arguments that conservatives would make would be like oh like guns don't kill people people kill people so in that same token right if we're fo- and and honestly if i'm gonna be real I, I follow that logic. I follow that logic. You know, people are going to take tools that are meant for whatever reason and use them for whatever reason they want to. So when it comes to that, that respect, it's not really Apple and their phone that is the reason that these these things are happening. Therefore, it's not their responsibility to clean up that mess. Right. Apple didn't create a phone and say, oh, this this is our drug dealer phone. Here's the plug phone, plug phone six. Right? No, they didn't do that. You come up with the mentality that iPhones don't hurt people. People hurt people. And boom, if you apply that same mentality to that situation, Apple doesn't owe you anything anymore. And isn't that right up conservatism's alley? Isn't that something that Republicans could get behind? Republicans, come get y'all's president because he's wiling out. He's wiling out. But that that right there was like kind of a petty reach and only something that could be applied to somebody who's using the sort of, you know, who, who operates in the same mindset that Donald Trump is operating in. And let's be real, there's not a lot of people who are operating in that specific mindset. And that's digital privacy in a nutshell right there. It's complex. Doesn't make sense. You're not secure, but at the same time, you kind of are. So be careful out there, folks. Just don't do anything stupid. I guess this can be part of a little story time of things things to kind of do and also things not to do. So I gambled. We all know college textbooks are way too expensive. Uh, and I took a huge gamble the other day, right? And I stepped in it and, and I could have put my digital privacy way on the line, right? Because I needed this book. I was doing like searches in like the depths of the web and I stumbled upon this website, sketchy website registered in the Czech Republic, random, random website. And I'm like, oh my gosh, they have this book I need that's like 20 bucks for $8 and they're going to give me a digital copy. Exactly what I was looking for. $8, that's a great deal. Let me try to buy it. And I was like trying to research the site because I'm like, no, I can't. I don't, like, I'm like, I've never heard of this website before in my whole entire life. And I'm like looking it up. I 
I googled the name of it, it like the, just the name of the website and like Google was like oh did you mean this instead and I could not find a single thing on it I found this like one like website review site that was kind of like oh we monitor things we try to see what's up and they were providing the objective review of this whoever registered this domain registered a whole bunch of others it's really new like this site was created within the last six months it's really like brand new um there's no reviews of it at all there's just they they couldn't find any that anybody had left about it and i like looked at that and i'm like oh my gosh this is so sketchy i'm gonna try to do it so instead of just like here's where i could have been really dumb is this, i could have put it in my real card number into their website and then risked it all but i didn't do that i used some something called privacy.com i think that's their url but what's really neat about that site is they allow you to create like randomly generated credit card numbers that you can use for stuff and that way you don't you're not giving anybody your direct card number they don't have it you're not really in danger if they hack the card they're hacking a card that you set spending limits on boom you set i set a nine limit a nine dollar spending limit on the one that i had these people wanted to go try to hack it and charge it for more they were getting nine dollars at max so anyway i did that paid for the book and then boom I get this email that's like, okay, you'll you'll be notified when this book's gonna hit, when this book's gonna be ready to download. And as soon as I saw that, because right, because they're like, oh, on their little about me thing, they're like, oh, we do like instant delivery because we only do ebooks. Da 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 da. I'm like, yeah, I just got ripped off, didn't I? And I'm just sitting there like, yeah, that's it. That's eight bucks. I'm not seeing again, because it was just like, oh, your book will arrive by, and it just listed like a time the next day and i'm like it's not coming like as soon as it wasn't there automatically i'm like it's not coming i just got ripped off and i was com like 1000 percent shocked i'm still shocked that that book arrived and i was able to download it look at that i i did not expect that to happen i don't know how they made that happen so easily but wild wild stuff but be careful don't be stupid on the web if you find yourself in a situation like that just don't like I was willing to risk it for like eight bucks, but just don't risk it. Just be careful. Like, you know, don't use if you, if, you know, just just be careful online. Don't do things online that are going to potentially have the ability to get you in trouble because I, that's really what you got to worry, be worried about. If you're doing something wrong, then you have something to worry about. You have you have reason to worry. But if you're not doing anything wrong. If everything you're doing is, like, right and helpful, you have nothing to worry about. So just be, just be responsible and be, be wise. Don't just be smart. Be wise. Use wisdom. Lord knows not a lot of people are using that. The next thing I'm going to talk about is streaming services, music streaming services. I know earlier I said streaming services, and I kind of forget that we live in this this kind of uh, era where a lot of the things that we can do are just streamed we watch a lot that's streamed and we listen to a lot that's streamed and I guess I kind of forgot to set that balance so what I'm talking about is music streaming services if you expect me to talk about tv and movie streaming services sorry I'm not talking about that I didn't feel like bringing up the 84,000 different movie and tv show streaming services that are out right now I did not feel like talking about that. I'm sorry. 
But music streaming services, there's some top players and there's some advantages to using them and some disadvantages. So let's start with the disadvantages because we like negative things. We do. Negative things can be good. When it comes to music streaming services, I'd say the biggest disadvantage falls onto the artist because it's a lot harder to make your money and make impressive stats on a streaming services right so like you like you hear of like oh my gosh like this record went gold like we sold like over x amount of copies of this we sold physical copies of this that's impressive i'm sorry you got people physically going to purchase something that they're going to play people are going to see that in their house this that and the third like that's impressive but I'm sorry, it's just not as impressive when you use the same numbers of like, oh, I have a blah, blah, blah amount of streams on Spotify. Like, oh, like, yeah, that's really cool. It's respectable. You did that. You have fans out there. I know that you have fans now. People are listening, but it's just harder to really be like, yeah, this is something tangible because what happens if this service shuts down? Then boom. It's I had all these streams on the service that no longer exists. But if you sold a million physical copies of your CD or of your record, that's that's nobody can take that away unless specifically somebody comes into these people's houses and takes all of that stuff away. Nobody's taking that away. So it's just kind of like it sets this whole different dynamic because it's kind of like, oh, I reached a million streams on X. And then it becomes, okay, cool. Who cares? It's just, I don't know. It just, it's just not as impressive. It doesn't give you as much room to, I guess that would just be kind of the ability to flex on others, which then it comes down to like, who cares about what others are thinking? But I don't know. It, it's just kind of, I think that it's worse for artists. It's also harder for artists to make money with that right because i can sell you know i can sell like a cd a physical copy of my music for x amount of dollars right and i'm making that money off that because it's being sold but when you have when you have streaming services giving you cents on the dollar for before streaming your song then it becomes like you have to wait for those numbers to be really high for people to uh for for it to be impressed like for you to be making any money and for it to be impressive like you have to rely on the fact that people are going to listen to that multiple times right and if i but if i sell somebody a cd say i say i sell one of my mixtape say i sell messages for ten dollars right i sell i sell five people a physical copy that's fifty dollars i'm getting right there right and those people could all when I say five, all five of those people could go and hate 90% of that CD and never listen to it again after they, after that. But guess what? I have $50 after they did that, right? But if, say I'm going to stream that and I make 10 cents a stream on that and, and I get five, those same five people are going to go listen to that and they end up hating it. Okay. First of all, they're only listening once boo 
second of all, say that companies like, oh, we're only going to count it as a stream if they play the song for a certain amount of time and these people aren't playing that song for this uh, that certain amount of time. Boom, I miss it on that front. It just ends up being more difficult for the artist, which is kind of a... Uh, it just depends on how you're looking, at, you're looking at it, right? Because if you're an artist who's not huge, like I don't... Like my... I'm an artist who doesn't have a huge internet presence and I do a lot of touring and a lot of my advertising relies on, Hey guys, and word of mouth and, and this and that streaming services are just no longer going to be beneficial to me. And then I'm just going to have to charge more for other stuff I want to be doing. And it's just, I don't, it's just obnoxious. And then you see like these streaming services being buddy, buddy with different other, with other artists. I use, Apple Music and Spotify and I notice on both that they'll be like oh my gosh we're featuring this playlist and we're going to put this person on the cover and we're going to put this person on the front page of our browse section and this that and the third and I'm like that's unfair right because for for unknown artist over here who just poured the last of his money into making his his latest album where's the love for him he not getting featured on a first on on a browse page and it just doesn't seem fair so those are the disadvantages here for the artists and artists i feel for you keep making your music i'm a musical artist myself i make my own music but for those who are listening if you're a music creator keep it up keep it up even if you're not making that much money trust me you're you're making a difference you make a difference with the music that you make and keep it up keep doing it might seem discouraging it might be discouraging that yeah you don't have you're not buddy buddy with the streaming services or your last show didn't sell out or something like that it doesn't matter you're just keep doing what you're doing right because what you're doing is something good and it's going to pay off and a lot of people's worst enemy is themselves when they decide to give up keep doing that here's the disadvantages for the learn the listener not the learner the listener of streaming services music streaming services and the main disadvantage of you using a streaming service for your music is that you don't own your music and i constantly am thinking about this because i used to have a you know well not a physical copy but a digital copy uh, that i owned of all of my songs from my library and that was it. My I didn't use any streaming services, no Spotify, no nothing. I didn't use those. And I just kept all the music. But guess what? Anything could happen and I still owned that music. I could still listen to that music. If something happens, like you miss a payment, say you're broke for a little bit and you can't pay for your, your Apple Music subscription anymore, you don't own that music. You're listening to it on their terms. And another thing I noticed, they can change whatever they want. They can pull whatever they want. Uh, this is a super random example, and you know, I I don't know how I know this, but there was this song that R. Kelly did with Lady Gaga on one of her albums, and then the whole thing, you know, we know we all know what happened with R. Kelly. You know, uh, he really pissed some people off. That's <laughs> R. Kelly did it. What he did. And uh, Lady Gaga's people, whoever that is, her label, her managers, whoever, were like, oh, we're going to pull that song that they did together. And now you can go on those streaming services. And 
it is as if that song had never existed. They pulled that song off of every single album on streaming services that exists. And say that's your favorite song. Boom. You pay in each month. You don't own that song. They pulled that song. That song doesn't exist anymore. Guess what? You can't even stream that song anymore. You don't own that song. That wasn't your song. That was their song. They can change whatever they want to about it. You, you'll notice that with little things. Artists will be like, oh, let me change like cover art. Let me change this. Let me make this unavailable. Um, I've had that happen on streaming services. It seems like artists move labels or, heck, if they're independent, they can't pay the bill anymore of whoever they're using to distribute their music, and boom, there goes the song. I don't have that song anymore. And it's like, oh, come on. I really enjoyed that song. That's the that's the price you pay right there. Sure, you paid like, what, 10 bucks a month but now you don't own this music you just don't own it so that's the biggest disadvantage uh for the listeners is you just don't own the music that you're listening to so that's something to think about and something also don't complain about it you're like oh this happened you should have known you didn't know that music you know you're paying a one-time fee for access to like 30 million songs you don't own that music you're really to be paying for access to to an ownership of all of those songs, you'd be paying a lot more than a $10 monthly fee. Streaming services, which ones are the best to use for music? Independent music, if you want to find independent artists, support independent and local artists, probably SoundCloud. Or like, there's like a band one. I don't remember it. It's like band something. I, I don't know. There's something and it's like... Is it Bandcamp? Let's see. Well, SoundCloud is really, really good uh, for supporting local and smaller artists. And so is uh, something called Bandcamp. And those are just good because they're cheaper for artists to use. Uh, SoundCloud has like a very, very flexible free tier. So, I mean, it's very accessible for a lot of musicians who aren't, you know, making $30,000 a month. And it's a good way. So, I mean, if you're thinking about it, like, I just want to support the homies, probably SoundCloud, because we, I think we all know one SoundCloud rapper. Power to that SoundCloud rapper, whoever that is, who you know who is that person, power to them. They might not be that good, but they're trying. They're doing something. But the best service for streaming music overall is a tough call to make. And something, you know, I think that there's a clear, I think that there's two clear contenders for that. If you're going to choose to pay the, month, the fee each month, uh, you deserve to have the best streaming experience. And there's, there's, a, there's good competition between Apple Music and Spotify. And personally, I can't. I'm not going to sit here and be like, this one's the best because I can't. They're just, they're both great. And here's what I'll say. I could be like, let me like list out all these features, this, that, and the third. No, use them for yourself. They both have free trials with them. If you've never used them before, you can get free trials with both of them. They both have uh, accessible pricing plans. If you're a student, if you're a student, you get half off for both of them. Spotify, you get Hulu and Showtime with it. I would just say try it out, right? Give it a shot. 
pay a little bit of a fee if you have to and just give it a shot and feel it out for yourself, right? Figure out what's best for you because I'm not going to sit here and be like, this is the best. I'm, I was going to I was gonna try. Coming into this, not going to lie, I was going to try to be like, this one is the best. I don't know. I don't I have no answers for that. So that's streaming services. Buy your music if you want to keep it. I guess that's the biggest takeaway is buy your music. Also, if you want to support an artist, if you want to support a smaller artist, support them by 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 helping them advertise and and to market themselves right because a lot of people think that support just means that oh like i just like show up to your concert and yell and then i go home and forget about it or something like that no tell people to listen to them put people on who you know would like their music like i i i have friends who are musicians and i'm like I'll help you out by like passing along your message to people I know who are going to listen and I'm going to help you market in that way. And that's how I do it with myself. I don't tell everybody I make music. I tell people who I like, I'd be comfortable sharing what I make with them, you know? And so that if you want to support a local artist, don't just go on and like stream their song once because that's not really going to help them that much. Give them a shout out. Share their song. Tell your friends. Tell the people you know. Be proud of it. Support a local artist. The w- support a local artist you know and value as a person. The way that you support a famous artist who you don't know and frankly doesn't care about you at all. And that's it. That's the end of that one. And we're going to move into the last topic of this episode which is the importance of putting forth your all in collaboration so this is probably going to be the inspiration for this me including this segment is laughable but the content is important so the inspiration is hell's kitchen i've been watching hell's kitchen lately and it's just hilarious to watch them fall apart and for anyone who's seen that show you know like They'll be dramatic, and them arguing with each other will be the complete downfall of an entire dinner service, right? And for those of you who don't watch Hell's Kitchen, it's just a show where two teams compete, each, uh, or two teams comprised of professional chefs uh, compete against one another to win a nice prize by Gordon Ramsay, right? And... I mean, they're individual in that competition, and there's only one winner. It's not like a team wins, but they're on teams throughout the whole competition. Eventually in the competition, they all reduce to one team, but, you know, they're on teams, and so they're working with other people, and sometimes they can't get it together. And I think that one thing that I kept thinking about that is, like, that's funny, but also that's not something that's – I know for a fact that's not the way that I can act in my own professional setting, right, when I make it because – the fact is, is collaboration helps you regardless. Collaboration helps, period. Right? But it doesn't help when you collaborate and everyone's at each other's throats and nobody can get along with each other or somebody's feeling discouraged and doesn't want to pull their weight. So the importance of putting your all in collaboration is just, it's vast. Like, it's vastly important that you do that. For the reason that you could you solely even though the team is collaborating and the team is 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 operating as one unit teams do tend to rely on leaders and 
the fact of the matter is, is you could help set the tone for the entire thing that you're doing at a specific point in time, right? And you putting your all in could influence other people to put in their all, which is then results in everyone putting in their all. So there's really, there's no disadvantage that comes in when you put in your all in collaboration. Even if, say you go into like a group project, right? Because a lot of people have been in this situation where they're working with a group and then nobody else is pulling their weight or maybe like one or two other people aren't pulling their weight and then like you're faced with the decision of do i do i keep putting in my all or do i just give up and let this whole ship sink and at least i'm not sinking alone type thing no put in 100 percent effort right because somebody's going to notice that somebody's going to notice that you're going to you're going to be able to to talk about that and, and and if you're truly the person who's carrying it you'll be able to prove it so there's no disadvantage to putting forth your all in collaboration. And it just helps. Working together is a good thing. And sure, there's a whole lot of people that are unlikable and are hard to work with. But it's not about them. It's usually, if you're working on it, if you're working in a team effort, it's not about that person who's being difficult right? You're not working in a team effort for that one person. You're working in a team effort for a common goal. So it's not about that person. It's about you doing the very best that you can. And that is so important because you will collaborate in every aspect of your life. And if you are, if you're sitting, listening, being like, well, I don't collaborate. I don't have to do that. Just wait. You'll get there. You'll get to a spot where you're forced to collaborate. And maybe you're like, no, I'm easygoing. No, I like I've never been in a situation where I have to collaborate with people I don't like. You just wait. You just wait. You're gonna find that person who really everything they say makes you want to punch them in the throat. There's people I there's people I feel like that with. I gotta work with this person. Gosh, when they open their mouth, I just want to go home and not be doing what I'm doing anymore because they are just that irritating. And everyone's going to find themselves in that situation. So the point is to push on and keep collaborating because the importance of collaboration is just it's not stressed enough. And. I just know that, so I had this one class that was, its focus was like collaboration, like that was in the name of the class, and like we got to the, we got to our final project at the end of the semester, and our professor is like, so I'm in this weird position because I want, you guys need to collaborate, but I don't know if I should let you pick the people you collaborate with, or whether, or if, uh, I should pick the people you collaborate with and just make it random uh, in the sense that you don't know who, or in the sense that you don't know who you're collaborating with and it's probably not somebody you're super comfortable with collaborating with, right? And so we get all, we get pushed into this place and I'm realizing there and, I, and this is what I wrote in a reflection about the project. I'm like, I realize at this point that it, it's not about the other person in the collaboration. It's about what I'm going to do. And no matter what that other person's going to do, whether they choose to put in 0% effort, whether they choose to put in 50% effort, whether they choose to put in 100% effort, 
it is not about what they're doing and the effort they're putting in. It's about what I choose to do and the attitude attitude I choose to have about it. And collaboration is just going to be important. It's just, it's, it'll, it's a skill that you gain to be able to work with other people, right? Because it's not the same the first time you deal with a difficult person in the, in collaboration and the 50th time you, you, you get placed in a situation when you're dealing with somebody who's difficult to collaborate with, right? Because the 50th time you, you did this before, you know how to handle this. This person can really throw you anything and you're ready for it, right? But if, if it turns out this is the 50th time I, I've come to collaborate with somebody who's difficult to collaborate with, but every other, all 49 other times, every time that happened, I just gave up. Guess what? I'm going to fail again. And then I, you do have that excuse that, yeah, this person wasn't pulling their weight and that's really what dragged this down. But then that person and their laziness or that person and their lack that is the thing that took power of this situation. That is the thing that took power over everyone in that situation. That is the thing that took control. That is what led, right? That person led, right? Because if it's them who set the precedent of what everybody was going to be doing in the group, right? That person was the leader and they were a terrible leader. And what does that make you look like? Well, you sat there and were complicit to something negative to a to negative leadership right and in a lot of situations with collaboration that's something we can like kind of speak up on i'm not going to say it in a lot of situations not in every situation because there's going to be times where you're just faced like under maybe it's like a direct project under a leader and like it's not really collaboration it's them calling all the shots and they're just leading you guys down a bad path that is what it is at that point it is what it is i mean i'm I, i'm not going to sit here and say that there are situations where you can't kind of just get out of them and it just but it just looks bad when you sit somewhere and you have to admit that you were being complicit while somebody else allowed havoc to happen and when you could have had control of it but it looks a lot better when you can sit there and you, and you can say after that's the thing is this people act like they're not allowed to say after collabing with this person was garbage and they didn't pull their weight but i did and i was able to pull this group together and we were able despite this extremely large shortcoming to get things done boom you look good you're a leader you were on top of it. You led that group. Your positive attitude led that group. And that looks so much better. And that feels so much better than being the person who said, well, guys, this is, this is crap, so I'm giving up. Putting forth your all in collaboration is never a bad choice. It's always something that will benefit you. Always, always, always. That is all I have for these topics here. Um, I just want to end with one little note. In my last episode, I, uh, I, I, I quoted a tweet by Lil Duval, and it was good. It was good what he said. But I would just also like to be to say like this is why you can't really like look to especially celebrities as icons like oh this comedian is funny which means everything he's gonna say is funny no go look through his twitter or go look go look through mine and look in my replies to one of his latest tweets and read what his tweet was because you'd be appalled at it i was it's, it's just 
it was outrageous. I'm not even going to say what he said. It was just stupid. And so I guess that goes back to questioning someone's authority because he does have a platform in, in a sense, in that way, some sort of authority. Don't know what it's over. Obviously, it's not even over his own tongue because he says stupid things. But, you know, don't put people on a pedestal because they're just disappointing at the end of the day. That is all I have for this third episode of the Isaiah show. Thank you so much to all of my listeners. I see I get the analytics, so I know how many people are listening, and I am honored by the amount of people that it is. And I'm so happy for every individual person who decides to take the time to listen to this podcast. So if you do, thank you so much. Tell your friends. Find me on Twitter. Check everything I said. And be easy. Stay organized. Take the time to stay organized. Get yourself yourself a calendar running yourself a calendar all right that's it thanks for tuning in to the third episode of the isaiah show